All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today we are doing our training camp preview of the Falcons wide receiver group, talking about the key position battles, as well as the one big question that will have to be answered this summer. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at FalcFans.com. RIP, still going strong, however, on Twitter at FalcFans. And, of course, the host of this world-renowned Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And I know as a regular Locked On Podcast Network listener, you are looking for that edge to win your fantasy football league. And, of course, Vinny Iyer, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Football podcast, We'll give you that daily edge, giving you the data that you need so your fantasy squad never fails. Subscribe to the Locked on Fantasy Football podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. So today's episode, we are kicking off our training camp previews. We'll go position by position. And as I informed folks earlier this week on the podcast, I'm probably going in a little bit of an unorthodox position. Normally we would start off with quarterbacks or whatnot, but I'm going in a different order. I'm, I'm changing things up to keep you guys on your toes. And we're starting with the wide receiver group and we'll probably move to the offensive line group uh, as our next position uh, group, uh, just to sort of keep things a little bit more interesting. But you know, today's episode will sort of start things off talking about the various roster changes and the depth chart, or at least my expected depth chart heading into the start of training camp then we'll sort of get into you know calvin ridley and and russell gage which certainly are the sort of two top guys atop that depth chart and sort of what they're changing roles and what types of impacts we can expect from them this upcoming season and then we'll sort of talk about the depth and the competition and sort of the one big question essentially is going to be you know now that uh ridley and gage are sort of locked in as that one and two you know, who's going to be that number three wide receiver for the Falcons this season. And so we'll get into that at the end of today's episode, but let's kick things off talking about the various roster changes. What's changed for the Falcons at this wide receiver group in the last six months. And of course the obvious big change is the Julio Jones departure traded to the Tennessee Titans a significant blow to this position group, you know, a fixture at this position group for the last decade. And it's going to have an impact on other players roles this year. The Falcons also lost from that 2020 team, Brandon Powell and Laquan Megaquan Treadwell from last year's squad. So that leaves Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, Alameda Zacchaeus, Christian Blake and Chris Rowland as the prominent returnees. You also have Jawan Green, who spent some time on the practice squad last year. He was re-signed after the draft. The big additions to this position group this offseason were Frank Darby, the 2021 six-round pick out of Arizona State, Tajay Sharp, formerly of the Tennessee Titans and Minnesota Vikings, veteran free agent Jeff Bedette, formerly of the Minnesota Vikings and Washington football team, another free agent. Both of those guys were signed after the draft and basically after it became very clear to at least the world and maybe not necessarily the Falcons knew this several weeks before that, but the world that Julio Jones was on the outset. So the Falcons have have signed two players presumably to help sort of uh, fill that void. And we'll talk about if they can 
Later on the episode, the Falcons also picked up two undrafted free agents in Antonio Nunn out of Buffalo and Austin Trammell out of Rice. So I think when you're looking at the Falcons depth chart at this wide receiver group, you have the two primary wide receiver positions, which is the X position formerly filled by Julio Jones and the Z position filled by Calvin Ridley and Muhammad Sadu and Roddy White prior to him. So at the X receiver position going down the depth chart, I think number one atop the depth chart, you have Russell Gage. He did get some looks early in his NFL career in 2018 and 2018 as the backup X wide receiver behind Julio Jones. Obviously he was permanently moved into the slot in 2019 and hasn't really looked back and gotten very little snaps at that X position. But I think, you know, sort of he's the obvious candidate to sort of be that X uh, for the Falcons. And that's going to be a question for him moving forward behind him. I think you have, in the number two spot at the X receiver spot, I would guess would be Tajay Sharp. That was primarily the role as a backup X behind AJ Brown in 2019 in Arthur Smith's offense uh, back in Tennessee. As that season wore on, thanks to injuries to Adam Humphreys, the Titans primary slot receiver, you saw Sharp get more opportunities late in that season playing primarily in the slot. Um, and I think that's probably where his skill set is better suited for than being an X, but that experience I think makes him the top backup option to gauge. And then you have Frank Darby, the Falcons six round pick as the third X, Jeff Bidette, the speedster as the fourth guy in the depth chart and Jawan Green, number five on the depth chart at that X position. Moving over to the Z, obviously atop the depth chart, you have Calvin Ridley. Behind him was Alameda Zacchaeus last year, and I think that will continue this summer. Then you probably have someone like Christian Blake, who's played also the X, but I think probably given the additions that the Falcons have made, probably will get more looks at the Z this summer. Antonio Nunn, another guy that could potentially play some X, but again, I think him and uh, Austin Trammell will probably four and five at the Z position. And then I have Chris Rowland slotted in at uh, Z6, I guess you could say. And I'm only listing him that low on the depth chart because I think my expectations is he'll primarily play more as a slot receiver when he gets opportunities on offense this summer. And so therefore other guys like Nunn and Trammell will probably wind up seeing more overall snaps at that Z position than Roland would be, although you might be willing to say that Roland's playing time might put him at fourth ahead of someone like Nunn or Tremel. But uh, I'm not listing Cordero Patterson at the wide receiver position. We are going to list him under the running back group and talk about him primarily with that running back group. But he should play some wide receiver at times this year. Although, again, I think similar to what Chris Roland might be, you know, be primarily designated as a slot receiver on sort of design screens and whatnot this upcoming season if he does get um, extended reps at that wide receiver position. But uh, that's where we'll sort of leave it for now. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage and they're being tasked with filling those very large shoes left by Julio Jones and what changes to their roles within the Falcons offense and what, if any improvements we might see from them this upcoming season. But before we get there, guys, I do want to plug the NBA side of lockdown podcast network where you can find a daily podcast devoted to your favorite NBA team, including the Atlanta Hawks. I'm recording this before game four. As results are known and definitely want to check out the results of that game and the rapid reaction from Locked on Hawks host Brad Roland on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.
So BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. It gives you the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the NBA, NHL, MLB, and all your UFC and MMA action. And there's no time like now to get started at BetOnline. The NHL and NBA playoffs, as well as Wimbledon, are ongoing. And, of course, baseball season is in full swing. And you can track all that action at BetOnline. And it's not just the sports. It's... BetOnline also covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You can get real-time updated odds on almost anything you can imagine. Just head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today at BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That means if you deposit 200 bucks, you get $100 in free money to play with with that promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So let's talk about Ridley engages changing roles and potential to impact. And obviously you look at the loss of Julio Jones and you're looking at a player like Calvin Ridley to potentially benefit. If you want to say that the most, we should expect to see an increase in the number of targets that Ridley gets this year. Although I don't, wouldn't expect it to be a massive increase. You know, Ridley had 143 targets in 15 games last year. And I feel like the upper limit of where he might be from a target standpoint would be 180 this year. But I honestly think it'll probably much more likely uh, assuming that the Falcons offense is healthier than that. Cause I, I would imagine 180 would be indicative of the Falcons throwing the ball a lot more than we would think a, you know, successful team would. Um, and so I think really the, prime real estate for Ridley in terms of targets this year is probably 150 to 160 in that range. Um, you know, I think what's going to be most interesting with Ridley is not the increased number of targets, but the different types of targets he gets, right? You'll probably see a decrease in the number of vertical targets he gets this year because he'll be asked to be a little bit more of that underneath slash intermediate target in order to really facilitate this offense more as the number one wide receiver. When you look at pro football focus data, most of the top in number one wide receivers that get the most targets in the league to generally speaking, when you look at their targets that are 20 plus yards down the field in terms, i.e. deep throws only about for most of those guys, about 10 to 16% of their overall targets based off pro football focus data are deep, those deep throws. Now, if you're Michael Thomas, it's less than 5%. Um, but you know, Ridley, these last two years combined has had about 25% of his overall targets be deep throws. You know, last year that reflected in really having about 36 deep targets last year. You know, I would guess that if you were to predict, say, that number falls to about 16 percent on 160 targets, that would be about 26 deep targets this year, which is basically 10 less opportunities for Ridley to get big plays. And this continues to be an issue that I've talked about with the biggest impact of the loss of Julio Jones is that ability to generate big plays and you're already losing the amount of big plays that Julio Jones generates. And then you're put in a circumstance because of Ridley's changing role, his number of big plays might also take a hit. Now the positive you have for that is that Arthur Smith's offense, at least the last couple of years in Tennessee has not heavily relied on pushing the ball down the field in order to generate explosive plays right from their primary wide receivers like Corey Davis and AJ Brown. This is why you've heard me say in the past that Arthur Smith's offense isn't about really scheming big plays, right? It's more about a lot more involved of those guys creating big plays after the catch. 
Now that obviously isn't independent of a scheme. For example, you know, if you ask your scheme, ask a ride receiver to run across the middle, a crossing route, there's a higher probability that he'll be able to make the catch and get yards after the catch versus if your scheme is asking a wide receiver to run a comeback or a hitch route or something like that. So scheme does enhance that. And you comparatively, when you look at Ridley's um, 35, 20 plus yard plays over the last two seasons under Dirk Cutter, 74% of those came on plays where he was targeted 20 plus yards down the field. You compare that to Corey Davis, that number was 25%. And with AJ Brown, the last two years under Arthur Smith, that was 43%. So the hope is that Arthur Smith will do similar things with Calvin Ridley where he might not get as many opportunities to run those deep corner, those deep comebacks and those deep corner routes that he was so successful running, particularly last year in Dirk Cutter's offense. And you'll see a lot more opportunities for him to create more of those big plays after the catch. Um, And so I think Ridley's season will be very interesting to see how it plays out because I think while Ridley has already proven himself to be one of the top 10 to 15 best receivers in the game, He's now replacing a guy that's been had that reputation of being one of the best two or three receivers in the game over the past seven or eight years. And I don't necessarily expect Ridley to leap to that level of player. But I think this year certainly gives him an opportunity to sort of establish himself as potentially like a top seven or eight wide receiver and certainly a guy that is cemented um, among the top 10 wide receivers in the league. And I'm going to be fascinated personally to sort of see what the general perception is of Calvin Ridley, particularly from fans in Atlanta, um, you know, six months from now, you know, because there's been a lot of hype and buzz around him over the last several weeks in large part due to, you know, people trying to convince themselves like, Oh, losing Julio Jones is not a big deal because we have Calvin Ridley and you know, all those various things, but you know, Ridley and Julio are very different receivers in the ways that Ridley wins is not the ways that Julio Jones wins. Arthur Smith himself has acknowledged this. And I fully expect that to be reflected within the Falcons offense. And, you know, I think given Ridley's, been in large part under Dirk Cutter, more of a vertical receiver. I think actually his skill set is better suited to being more of that underneath intermediate guy. Ridley is arguably already a top three to five route runner as an excellent separator. And I think that skill set for him, because he's not necessarily a guy that's going to go and get the ball and those vertical routes that he does run tend to like the comebacks and corners tend to rely on sort of precise route running as opposed to just, you know, the quarterback throwing it up and and him going to get the ball. But I think being more of that underneath intermediate receiver better suits Ridley's skill set as that sort of separator, that high end route runner that can be that guy that can get those separation on those routes, five, 10, 15 yards down the field, as opposed to 20 plus yards down the field. But I do wonder if people, especially those that are now sort of hyping him up are going into this year, expecting him to basically be Julio 2.0. And I wonder if those people are going to be a little bit disappointed by year's end, if he doesn't necessarily live up to those expectations. And I certainly think he's going to put up numbers, you know, again, probably between 140, 160 targets this year, probably anywhere between 1,200 and 1,500 yards a season, meaning that there's a higher than average probability that he'll wind up making his first Pro Bowl this year. But I do wonder if we're going to see a couple of games throughout the course of the season, like we saw last year against Green Bay, where Jair Alexander had him on lockdown and where he's going toe-to-toe against some of the other top-end cornerbacks that he's going to face this year, like a Tredavious White, Xavier Howard, et cetera. And well, he'll get slowed down there. And, you know, certainly there have been plenty of games over the years where Julio Jones was relatively quiet 
But obviously Julio had such a large body of work of him being a dominant receiver. No one ever used that as a referendum of, Oh no, Julio Jones is, is bad now because he only caught, you know, three passes for 40 yards last week or whatever the case may be. And you're going to probably see a lot more of that this year under Calvin Ridley, not to mention in those games where particularly these last couple of years where Julio was quite typically those were also the games where Calvin Ridley went off like the Dallas game in week two last year where Julio had like two catches, but Calvin Ridley dropped like 130 plus yards on the Cowboys. And I don't know if Russell Gage is going to be that type of number two, where it's like, Oh, Calvin Ridley had a quiet four catch game for 42 yards and Russell Gage went off for 120 yards. Right. And of course there's going to be a lot more scrutiny under Ridley when he has those types of games than there ever was under Julio um, given the, you know, Julio was allowed to sort of establish himself as a dominant player before those expectations for him to be a dominant player were heaped on him. And I think that's kind of reverse with Calvin Ridley. So I could foresee a scenario, you know, after this season where there's going to be a vocal minority of the fan base or like Calvin Ridley's not a number, the true number one wide receiver, which in their eyes basically means being like a top five wide receiver on par with Julio or DeAndre Hopkins or Devontae Adams or whoever else people put up there. Um, and to me, like I'm less concerned about how effective and how true a number one Ridley is. And I'm more concerned with sort of. What, how, what the Falcons have at the number two position. And I think it's kind of like a sliding scale where it's like the better your number one, the less better, you know, the worse your number two is allowed to be. Like when you have a number one, like Julio, you can kind of get away with a number two, like Muhammad Sanu or what Roddy white was at the end of his career. Um, and so I, you know, I don't expect really to be that level of number one. So that means you're probably going to have need to have a little bit better of a number two than you had uh, when in the Julio prime years moving forward in the, you know, obviously we expect Kyle Pitts to essentially fill that role, hopefully in the foreseeable future. But obviously we don't know if and when Pitts will get there. And in the meantime, you know, that puts a lot more scrutiny on, say, a player like Russell Gage to sort of to see if he can be that number two. And this is going to be a big year for Russell Gage. It's a contract year for him. So meaning he's going to be a free agent after the season and will be a, have an opportunity to based off of how his performance this year will, you know, determine, you know, what type of market he gets and that market could determine whether or not he's back in Atlanta. You know, he could wind up pricing himself out of Atlanta uh, if he has a good enough year. And I've seen a lot of people in recent weeks, especially post Julio Jones raid talking about gauge as his potential thousand yard receiver. And while I won't say it's impossible for gauge to, to eclipse a thousand yards this year, I think the catalyst for that would probably either be a significant injury to Calvin Ridley, which would prompt gauge to get a massive increase in targets this year, or he would have to prove himself to be a much more capable vertical pass catcher and deep pass catcher than he has proven to date. You look at Gage's yards per reception, you know, his career high was 10.9 this past year. The only receiver that eclipsed the thousand yards uh, last year, averaging under 11 yards per reception was Tyler Lockett, who caught a hundred passes and Lockett, only had about 130 some odd targets because he catches about 76% of his targets. The past two years, Gage has topped out around 66% of his targets. So, so that would mean in order for Gage to sort of have, you know, 190, 100 uh, plus catches in order to get that thousand yards um, with that yards per reception, 
you know, he would have to get 130 plus targets, which I don't think is likely. I think more than likely you're probably going to see that sweet spot for Gage is probably between 100 and 110 targets. So roughly what he had a year ago, um, I think he had like 103 targets or something like that last year. And it could be higher than that. But I think, again, that would be more of an indicator that the Falcons threw the ball a lot more than we would like to see them, which means that they're bad or Ridley missed a significant amount of time than we would like to see. So, you know, I think otherwise Gage would have to average more significantly more than 10.9 yards per reception. You know, Mike Evans had a thousand yards last year on 109 targets. So in that range where we're talking, where I'm projecting Gage to have this year, but he averaged 14.4 yards per reception, which is, you know, significantly more than what Gage did. And that's because Mike Evans actually, is a deep threat. And I've mentioned on past episodes of the podcast that when you look at Gage's production as a vertical pass catcher throughout his career, his production and efficiency as on deep throws is actually worse than what Harry Douglas's was throughout throughout his career. And we all know that Harry Douglas was not a vertical threat. And so I think Gage is one of those players that I'm hopeful that Arthur Smith's scheme, where it's not necessarily pushing the ball down the field, but creating more after the catch, will actually be beneficial to Gage in a lot of ways. And we'll see a, a dramatic increase in the explosive plays that he has, which I think will be much more reliant on him generating plays after the catch than necessarily him, you know, being more of a vertical threat. Um, and, you know, I think Gage certainly has a capability of doing better as after the catch than he has shown. He's got the capability. We just need to see if he can deliver on the consistency. So with that being said, you know, we'll talk about the capabilities of the rest of the players uh, that the Falcons are bringing to camp at the wide receiver position. We've already talked about Ridley and Gage as the number one and number two receivers, but Let's get into the one big question for this position group, which is related to who's going to emerge as that number three receiver as we wrap up today's Locked On Falcons podcast. But before we get there, guys, got to plug the MLB side of the Locked On Podcast Network, where you can find a daily podcast devoted to your favorite Major League Baseball team, including the Atlanta Braves. Check out the Locked On Braves podcast or your favorite team's uh, daily podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So when breaking down various camp battles, it's all about finding the right parts for your roster. And obviously you have to see how the competition plays out over the course of the summer. But if you're looking for the right parts for your car, there's no competition when it comes to rockauto.com. They have everything from engine parts, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new floor mats. You can get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique. It's easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your make and model of vehicle. Choose by brand specification, the price that you prefer. And those prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. The same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for for the same parts, just go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in the, how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. So built bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market and has nine delicious flavors. Whether you're a fan of coconut almond, like me, or you prefer mint brownie cookies and cream, cherry, barcia, double chocolate, salted caramel, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, or raspberry. There's something for everyone. And there's even occasional limited time flavors like strawberry and orange this summer. You can try them all with a mix box, getting two each of all nine flavors built bars. 
contain 100% real chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew and they taste just like a candy bar. And it's not just about their great taste. It's about what they provide health wise for you. They're low in sugar, low in calories, high in protein, high in fiber. You can use them as low calorie meal replacements. You can use them as pre or post workout energy boosts, or you can just use them as a healthier snack than the typical, you know, candy bar that you typically sneak, uh, you know, during that midday a meal. You can use Built Bars however you want. Just head over to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So let's talk about the various camp battles and that one big question, which is going to be who's going to emerge as that number three X wide receiver that's going to be able to stretch defense. And I'll sort of present my case for why I think that's the big question, but it, it starts with, you know, who's going to be that number three receiver. We know Ridley and Gage are sort of locked into their roles atop the depth chart. And, you know, I think you probably won't see the Falcons use as much 11 personnel or three wide receiver sets this year, because I don't think their personnel really calls for it. You know, assuming that players like Kyle Pitts and Hayden Hurst are healthy this year, and you'll see a lot more of that 12 personnel or two tight end sets as sort of the staple of their offense. And looking over the league the last couple of years, you know, the Titans were not a high usage 11 personnel offense. The only teams that looking at websites like sharpfootballstats.com that use less multi-wide receiver sets, which means in any formation that had three or more wide receivers, you know, over the last two years combined, only the Vikings and 49ers, as far as I can tell, use less multi-receiver sets than the Titans. The Titans use about 46% of the time. And it wouldn't shock me at all if the Falcons, that number fell below 40% for the Falcons this year. I think the Vikings were somewhere in the 20s uh, these last couple of years. Maybe they barely cracked 30%. uh, So, you know, I feel like the Falcons personnel may be pushing them in that direction. And I think when you're looking at sort of who are those top candidates to be that number three guy, it's a sort of a three-way competition, presumably between Tajay Sharp, Frank Darby, and Alameda Zacchaeus as the prime candidates. And I'm very curious to see where Ozzy gets slotted in his offense and how he's utilized. I've always thought he was best suited as a slot receiver. And so in a world where Russell Gage does wind up walking in free agency next year, I feel like you could easily plug uh, Ozzy into that same slot wide receiver role in 2022 and the offense wouldn't skip a beat. And I think you maybe even make an argument that it would be even better because Ozzy may be even better uh, player than Russell Gage is in that role. Um, but I think what's interesting about that group of players is, you know, Sharp is not a special teams guy. So he kind of needs to win that number three wide receiver spot or else, you know, he faced the risks of being inactive a lot of weeks. And those were similar circumstances that found him inactive outside of maybe like four games with the Vikings last year. You know, Ozzy does have that special teams experience serving as the team's gunner on punt teams last the last two years. Um, you know, we talked about Darby in my scouting report about the potential to sort of fill a similar role on the punt coverage team if need be. Although, again, I think there are better options, including Alameda Zacchaeus and Cordell Patterson and Avery Williams and Kendall Sheffield, among others, if the Falcons do uh, move in that direction. You know, and I think when you look at this group, you know, outside of Gage and, and, and Ridley, you know, I think Alameda Zacchaeus is the best pure receiver of this group. 
But I think the Falcons would kind of love for Sharp or Darby to sort of step up in that sort of X role so that when the Falcons do go three wide receiver sets, you know, they can move Gage into the slot and have one of those two guys, Sharp or Darby, slot into that X role. And, you know, I think the team would absolutely love if Frank Darby as a rookie in six round pick could emerge. And I feel like in a lot of ways, Tajay Sharp is kind of a placeholder until Darby's emergence. But the question is going to be, will Darby emerge this season or, you know, further down the road, further down the road. And my evaluation of Darby was not necessarily promising to make me think that he's going to emerge this season. Uh, you know, rookie wide receivers are notorious for being slow starters in the NFL. And I don't expect Frank Darby, given, you know, his limited production in, in college is going to be the exception to that rule. Um, and I think, you know, at this point in time, Zacchaeus is just a better player than Ty J Sharp. So I'll be interested to see if Zacchaeus gets that opportunity or does Sharp's sort of familiarity with his coaching staff and his offense give him somewhat of an edge uh, this summer in training camp. Um, but when I look at sort of the top four wide receivers that are locks or virtual locks to make the roster, you know, you have Ridley, you have Gage, you have Darby, you have Zacchaeus. And I would probably put Sharp fifth on that list as a probable guy to keep on the roster, but by no means being a lock. And I think there will be an opportunity for any of the other six guys that the Falcons are bringing to camp to emerge and potentially unseat him for that fifth spot, especially since Sharp doesn't have that special teams ability. You look at guys like Christian Blake and Jeff Bidette and Chris Rowland obviously have special teams experience in the NFL, Bidette and Rowland primarily as returners, but Bidette did get some reps in the preseason in Minnesota on coverage teams. So he's not completely unknown commodity there. And I think, you know, someone like Bidette is a sleeper, right? You know, he has that unique skill set. And by unique skill set, we mean four two seven speed. Uh, you know, that's very valuable. And you look at nobody else on this uh, wide receiver group can run nearly at that speed. And, and that makes potentially Bidette a guy that could stand out. But then the concern with Bidette going back to something I've talked about previously is that he struggled to make the Minnesota Vikings roster in 2018 and 2019 when they were notoriously thin at the wide receiver position. And so that speaks to sort of Bidette having this intriguing potential, but never really delivering it, never putting it quite all together in order to, you know, stick on an NFL roster, but maybe, you know, having spent last year in the XFL spent this past year in Washington's practice squad, maybe that will lead to him delivering on that promise and that potential this summer while he has yet to do so in previous summers. Chris Rowland is a player that I think is going to be hard pressed to make the roster unless he can beat out Avery Williams for the punt return job, which I'm not currently expecting, but it's certainly a possibility that Rowland does win that job. You know, Technically, between those two guys, it's technically a coin toss. And, you know, in in that position, you know, one big return in the preseason, one muff punt in the preseason could wind up being the difference between winning and losing that job. So, you know, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, kill Roland's chances in that regard. Um, but I, I just certainly think the Falcons would prefer if Williams wound up winning that job outright. But we, we've seen in past instances, just bring up Devin Fuller and, you know, JD McKissick, where McKissick clearly outperformed Fuller, despite the Falcons wanting Fuller to win that job. And, you know, we'll see if this regime, unlike that previous regime was willing to sort of, you know, what Avery Williams didn't win a job. And so he's not going to win a job. So we'll see about that. Now, looking at the undrafted free agents, I do like none a little bit more than I like Tremel. Um, you know, I thought none skill set was a little bit more intriguing in terms of a developmental option on the practice squad. But I think both of those guys are 
ultimately competing for a practice squad spot. You know, right now I'm expecting the Falcons to sort of carry five wide receivers on this roster with Sharp or Bidette being those best bets to win that fifth spot. You know, I think the presence of having a guy like Cordero Patterson as counts essentially as having half a wide receiver. So I don't think there's really any need to carry six unless it's someone like Roland because he winds up winning the return job. You know, Christian Blake is one of those players that it's hard to completely count out. Because while he doesn't do anything particularly well, you know, he does have two years of experience working with Matt Ryan. So that counts for something. He has been a competent to functional special teams performer on coverage units. And he's one of those guys that when you get that deep on the depth chart, when you're talking about the fifth, sixth wide receiver on your depth chart, you tend, you know, there's, there's a case to be made for a guy that's more a jack of all trades type of player than a guy that necessarily excels in one specific skill set. Because in the event of injuries where you're now turning to that guy who's fifth or sixth on your roster, you want a guy that has the versatility to do multiple things. And you can make a case for Christian Blake being that guy. Although I think given Sharp's previous stint in Tennessee, he also brings a similar sort of jack of all trades type of skill set, given his ability to play X, uh, Y or Z, you know, in the slot and whatnot. Um, so I think, you know, because Sharp and Bidette have more of that potential, particularly as a vertical threat, I think the Falcons would prefer th- one of those two guys to emerge as that fifth wide receiver over, say, a Christian Blake. But, you know, this becomes a position now that that's all been said that don't be shocked if the Falcons wind up scoping out the waiver wire at the end of August, looking for that vertical threat in their offense, especially if someone like Darby or Bidette, you know, doesn't look like they're poised to deliver on their potential in that same role. And I think the selection of Darby, the signing of Sharp and the signing of Bidette is basically the Falcons signaling that they're on the lookout for that vertical stretch X wide receiver. And if none of those players emerge this summer as such, don't expect them to twiddle their thumbs, or at least I don't expect them to twiddle their thumbs and and hesitate to find a player elsewhere that can do that role. So, you know, if we're not going to get as many big plays from Ridley in terms of threatening defenses vertically, and you're probably not going to expect that to be a huge part of Russell Gage's game, you got to get it from somewhere. And obviously, you know, we can make the case that, you know, some of that will be mitigated by, you know, the tight ends, maybe providing that sort of niche in the Falcons offense. But obviously it's preferable to still have that option, at least waiting in the wings in the wide receiver room, you know, as a sort of emergency option in the event of, of you needing to go there, even if you're not going to necessarily rely on those three wide receiver sets. Um, and, you know, God forbid what happens if Calvin Ridley gets hurt and then you, that, option in your offense completely dries up, right? So that's why you, you kind of need to have at least that guy that's the sort of emergency option for you. Um, so, you know, that's why that's kind of the big question for me entering camp. And so that's where we're going to leave it today, guys, on today's uh, positional preview for training camp with the wide receiver position. Our next position group will be the offensive line group going in this sort of unorthodox order to keep things changing. And, and then maybe we'll even think about switching to the defensive side of the ball as opposed to continue with the offense uh, after that point. But we'll probably not get to the offensive line group until either at the end of this week or early next week. Um, so if you have any uh, feedback that you want to provide your thoughts on this wide receiver positional group and how it may shape up, of course, I am 
all ears. And you can hit me up on Twitter at Lockdown Falcons, on Facebook at Lockdown Falcons, or you can send an email to LockdownFalcons at mail.com. And before you guys duck out, make sure you check out the Locked On Today podcast. It's all the sports news that you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Host Peter Brukowski is joined by the various experts from around the Locked On Podcast Network, whether you're like me and you put all your attention on football and you're sort of trying to keep your ear to the ground on what's going on elsewhere in sports and NBA, NHL, you know, NCAA, all these various topics, the Locked On Today podcast is tailor-made for you uh, to sort of catch up on all the big topics and stories from around the sports landscape every day. So subscribe to Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.